0: No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss for analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game. Here are Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg, and your host Drew Mendel. The Illegal Curve Post Game Show starts now. Good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this evening on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Post game show along with Ezra Ginsburg. I'm your host, Drew Mandel here to discuss the Winnipeg Jets narrowly averting disaster and sneaking away with a 3-2 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. The Jets do get the win, like I said, in the overtime period, and I am confident in saying, Mr. Ginsburg, that despite the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks are at the bottom of the NHL standings and should be and have been a cakewalk for many teams this season the Winnipeg Jets will be glad to be done with facing Peter Mrazek and the Chicago Blackhawks for the remainder of this year good evening to you my good friend how are you tonight on this fine and dandy Friday night
1: doing pretty well i think i would agree with that by the way the jets just love having playing one goal games (laughs) with the blackhawks right like it's just it's bizarre right because we've definitely seen you know the jets take care of you know really good teams and as you mentioned i mean there is no worse team in the league than the blackhawks but i'll say this much having watched what is that the fourth time the jets and blackhawks have played yes the blackhawks you got to give them respect just for the fact that they are a competitive team and they actually have some cohesion, you know, if that's a word I can use, like they don't look as disjointed, like earlier in the season, they were pretty tough to watch. Like they couldn't string two passes together Right. and, you know, give them credit. They battled hard. Uh, Luke Richardson pulls Peter Morazic with less than two minutes left and they battle back. They tie the game up. I mean, it's unfortunate that the winning goal goes off of what was it? Nick Foligno's leg or, or skate, Um, but I mean, the jets are a better team than the Hawks. It shouldn't have got to overtime. And obviously we're we're going to get into the goals and, and everything like that. But I mean, what would the jets have done in this game without the brilliance of Nikolai Ehlers? Like it was the Nick Ehlers, you know, one, one man show today. Like, it's not like these goals that he scored, were you know beautiful setups or other players contributed like no both sense. of Eler's goals were individual efforts especially the second goal where he goes coast to coast I'm not going to you know ruin the Betway game recap here but you know if you really look at that third period and parts mm-hmm. of the first period the second period I think you'd agree Drew was the best but um the first, you know, there were some stretches of this game that you know you didn't like if you were a Jets fan and you know I thought they were a little bit too passive they, they were kind of just clinging on to the one goal lead and they were just kind of I don't know sloppy um and yeah. obviously the Stanley penalty we can get into. I didn't think that was a penalty, but, I mean, I, I, like Bedard trips over. Stanley blocks the shot, and then Bedard trips over him. But anyways, the, uh, luckily the Jets still got the two points. But, yeah, I think most Jets fans, that was a little bit uh, too close for comfort, if you know what I mean.
0: I totally do, and I would agree with that assessment. Look, at, at five on five, with the exception of the first 12 minutes of the uh, it was the first 12 minutes of the second period. That was the Jets' best stretch of the game, most complete and most dominant stretch of the game. You know the Jets were, you know, even at best with the Blackhawks at at, at five on five, and that's not something the Jets want. I mean, if you look at the Jets' forward lines, and you mentioned it, Desi. This was the Nikolai Ehlers show tonight. Where would the Jets have been without him? And his line mates. And their new line mates in Alex Iafalo, uh, he's the new one. And Sean Monahan is, is with Ehlers still. And we'll talk about the lines and we'll get into the revamped forward lines in great detail on tomorrow morning's Illegal Curve Hockey Show. That's 9 a.m. here on our YouTube channel. So you got got plenty of Illegal Curve coming your way. But if it wasn't for that Jets' second line, uh, you know, the Jets would have been in a lot of trouble tonight. The Jets' top line. And this is a line that needs to control the game against a team like Chicago. Yes. You know, uh, shifley Connor, Velarde, 30% Corsi-4, 30.77. That is not good enough. That is not good enough for a line that has been struggling uh, relatively significantly for the last little while that has been inflated by their successful power play, words that we haven't been able to say very often this year. But at 5-on-5, five five, that line has not been clicking as of late. Uh, and tonight, in a, against the Chicago Blackhawks, a weak team, I mean, you, you know, call it what it is, a team that plays hard, a team that shows a lot of pride, and a team that obviously is building towards something, uh, you know, you, you have to expect that all four of your lines are going to be, uh, you know, if not dominant, then at least, in, you know, at, at, e- you know, at least even with the Blackhawks, and the Jets' top line wasn't, and Appleton, Lowry, and Niederreier also weren't. They were even worse at 29.6% Corsi-4. I mean, that's just not where you need your players to be. So to your point, Ezzie, you know, about the impact of follow Monaghan, Ehlers, 92.3% Corsi-4 which is I think probably the highest Corsi four that I can remember seeing this year for one individual Jets line at five on five. They were dominant in this game, and the Jets really uh, you know, will have to look at that line and their performance as one of the key drivers uh, to the success of tonight's game.
1: Right. And, and, you know, you just mentioned Monaghan, he had that chance in front and exactly. then he didn't get a, didn't get a shot off and that would have given the jets the the three, one lead and then the game's over. Right. So you're right. And, and I think it tells you that we know that Perfetti isn't the problem here. Like I know there's a lot of criticism out there for Cole Perfetti, but it's, it's obvious. And we talked about this on last Saturday show. Clearly Ehlers is your most talented offensive player. He's a play driver and they refuse to put Ehlers on that line. Connor and Shifley is not working, mm-hmm. right? Gabe Gabe Velarde's had a great bounce back after the injury, right? Especially on the power play. Like Gabe Velarde is is arguably your biggest weapon on the power play. And Rick Bonus refuses to put Ehlers, uh, Shifley, and Velarde together, even though that line was dominant when they were together, right? So, yeah. I mean, look, Cole Perfetti's not going to stay on the fourth line, and I realize a lot of people are saying, well. You know, is that a sign that you know the Jets are going to acquire a winger and Perfetti's going to be on the fourth line? I mean, I have no idea. I mean, that's a big hypothetical, right? We don't know, you know, who the Jets are going to acquire. And is that a that is that player gonna be locked for the top six? Like Pavel Buchnevich seems to that's be the guy that all Jets fans want right now. Yeah. First off, you're going to have to give up a lot to get Bucnevich because sure. I think St. You know Bucnevich is a player that I think St. Louis probably has some interest in re-signing, right? So you're well, not going to get. He's Buch-
0: under contract for one more year beyond. Sorry, this you're season. right. Yeah, that's
1: right. You're right. So I mean, could could Bucnevich be a player the Jets acquire? Sure, I'm sure there's other teams. You look at Colorado, right, who are battling the Jets for you know the top two spots or whatever you want to say, the top spot in the Central you know, they they could be a team that might want to sure. Buchnevich. So, I mean, just getting away from that for a second, though, there is an issue in the Jets' top six, and it's been something we've been talking about for a while now, and not only has Cole Perfetti been struggling, but you have a line that is just not clicking at five on five. Yes, the Jets' power play starting to play better. We know they're, what are they now, five for their last 13 or something like that, five yeah. for their last 14. No
0: so- success tonight, uh, you know, uh, no success tonight on the power play. I mean, I thought that they had some good looks and maybe some good zone time, but... Uh, well, the first power not... play
1: unit was... The first power play, they were out there for a minute 50. Yes, I know. So, I mean, that's not something I think you'd like to see, especially when Cole Profetti's on long. the fourth line and he's out on the second power play unit. So Profetti wasn't even really getting any bonus time on the power play on the second unit, right? So uh it's something that, you know, look, at the end of the day, you can say, well, the Jets keep winning, um, but they... There's something about the way they're winning that's just not as dominant as it was when they were mm-hmm, on that mm-hmm. long streak where they kept allowing less than three goals, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, Ehlers, Monaghan, and IFL were great. I mean, the eye test matched the numbers. Yeah. Um, and I even thought, you know, the fourth line was Nemestikov. Remember he hit the crossbar? Yeah. I thought Nemestikov had a really strong game. The fourth that line, was no the- problem.
0: That was the only other line. Uh, the, the the Jets the fourth the new look fourth line of Barron, the uh, and Cole Perfetti was the only other Jets line that was over fifty percent uh, Corsi for. Uh, you know, and again and they, that's they, against the Blackhawks,
1: right? Like right, you're not, that's ta- you're the not Chicago talking about Blackhawks. against the the Avalanche or against the Bruins or the Canucks. Yeah, I mean there was one shift early in the first period. Uh, I made a note of it here. It was the Tyler Johnson line. Taylor Radish, Anthony. I thought Radish had a good game. I know that ah, you know nice player. Players, do, fans don't like the uh, you know the the shot on Hellebuck there. I don't think he saw he that was intentional at all. But there was one shift they had um, a, a good cycle, and that was against the Shifley line, right? So mm-hmm. that's the the Hawks' second line outplaying the Jets' top line, right? And look, I don't think you know this was the worst game ever or anything like that for Shifley and Connor. I actually made a few notes here. Kyle Connor had a couple of really good back checks that I liked. Um,
0: Especially one, at four, one, at four was, on four. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One was on Colin Blackwell. Mm-hmm. And then I made a note here. Uh, yeah. At four on four, I was on Beauvillier Drew. So we both <laughs> yeah, probably made your a note. Your note
0: says get more chips. It wasn't actually about sure. the, the Jets game. Yeah. It was just buy more. I actually
1: things. have two notes open. One is my snack note. And ah. then the other one is actually I track what happens in the game. No, but so I thought, you know, from a defensive standpoint, Connor was pretty good, but I think back to what you were saying, This line, since it's been together, and Shifley-Connor and uh, Velarde have been together this part of the season, but also you remember at the beginning of the season, but that was only, what, two or three games. Yeah. So we're not really taking, that's too small of a sample size. Since this line has been together, I mean, the the results have been mixed, right? Like, you have to take the power play out of it for a second, because games are not won on the power play. Obviously, it's nice that the power play is clicking right now. But at five on, on five, and five this it. line is not working. I mean, the advanced stats and the eye test match up. You, you were, if you're not able to dominate the worst team in the league, I mean, that's a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. It, 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 I agree heartily. The Jets escape with the win, but you know, there's not a lot uh, to like, except for that 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 period to start the second period that period of time that you know first uh you know 10 to 12 minutes of the second period when the Jets were 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 cycling the Blackhawks to death and really the ice was as heavily tilted as as, as you know we've seen in a long while aside from that the Chicago Blackhawks were were you know mano a mano against the Winnipeg Jets and at times were you know, in, in front of the Winnipeg Jets. And that's not something you want. Now the Jets had plenty of opportunities in the course of the game that had they got that third goal prior to overtime, you know, Sean Monaghan, as you mentioned, as he he had a couple of opportunities, uh, you know, a couple in tight breakaways is how I would describe them. Um, you know, that if he if he'd been able to sneak one of those past Mrazik or Gabe Villardi on his breakaway opportunity when yeah, Shane hit him with that great pass you know if if they get that if they get that third goal earlier in the game it's probably a different story but Peter Mrazek for whatever reason was lights out against the Winnipeg Jets all season long and he was again tonight and cr- kudos to him and credit to him and credit to the Blackhawks for really showing the fight when you're down to nothing to scratch and claw your way back into this game
1: yeah exactly and Peter Mrazek is exactly the type of goalie that you want on a young Blackhawks team. Like, just, just look at the Blackhawks lineup, right? Like, you've got mm. Nick Felino playing on the top line with Connor Bedard and, and Kuroshev, right? Like Nick Felino would be a fourth line guy on the Jets. I don't yeah. I honestly don't even know if he cracks the Jets top 12. I mean, he's had a great career, but he's not the same player that he was six or seven years ago when he was on the blue jackets, right? I so, thought he I had mean, a good game tonight as it happened. Oh I mean, no, he was yeah. fine. I I yeah. mean, obviously, you know. Uh, you the, know, the end result be the overtime, goal. So bad, yeah, the but, overtime yeah. goal. It's unfortunate for a guy like him, but I mean, there's a reason why the Blackhawks I think it was two year deals that they gave Dickinson and Felino, right? Like, right. these are veteran guys. Felino's obviously older than Dickinson, but these are older guys that you know that, that you want to surround Connor Bedard with those types of players. Taylor Hall was a guy that they brought in for that reason. Obviously, Hall's missed the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Perry was another guy, but we know what happened with that. <laughs> so, I mean, like they have, they're respectable. The, the, everyone knows that the Hawks are a bad team, but right. these guys make them respectable because they compete night in night out. But I think, you know, the, the fact that the jets had to, you know, needed an extra five minutes to take care of the Blackhawks is not something that you like. And, and yes, I mean, you got to give the Hawks credit and you still got the two points, but I still think that wasn't as cons- convincing as you would like uh, I- against a-, a lowly Blackhawks team. But again, I'm not trying to be pessimistic here. I'm just pointing out, you know, the good it and the was- bad. The good the good was Nick Ehlers. Yeah. The good was Connor Hellebuck. I really? thought Dylan Sandberg had a really strong game. I thought Sean Monahan had another really strong game. I thought Gabe Velarde was good. We talked about Vlad Nemesnikov. Like, there were a lot of good individual performances. Um, and but you know, was for the, stinky
0: ones. Yeah.
1: But then there were, you know, like the, the Logan Stanley giveaway yeah. on the Hawks first goal. I mean, you don't like that. Uh, that was the Colin Blackwell breakaway goal I'm talking about here. Um, Neil Pionk, he took a, a bad penalty. Um, when Dickinson had the, uh, breakaway chance, I think it was Dickinson. We thought it might be a penalty yeah. shot. Right. So, yeah. I mean, this was not a beautiful, performance by the Jets but again you know over the course of an 82 game season you can say well you know they're not all going to be beautiful but I think for a Jets team that's still trying to get back to the way they were playing you know in December early January Mm -hmm. um you know the that left that performance left a lot to be desired I would say
0: I don't disagree with anything you've said. There were a couple beautiful moments for for the Winnipeg Jets in the course of the game. Let's get into the Betway game recap, and we'll talk about those beautiful moments right off the get-go. The Betway game recap. I want to extend my apologies in advance if you get annoyed with my coughing uh, throughout the course of the broadcast. I'll do my best to... You know, uh, yes, I am. I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. We'll see what the uh, the medical professionals say about me. They might just give up and walk out of the room. That would entirely be possible. But uh, yes, like I think, seems like everybody else, I have a uh, uh, a cold and a cough and everything else. I'm so fighting gonna, it too. Yeah, we'll battle through it like we do. We play hurt here on the illegal curve post game. Sure, a cold
1: isn't going to prevent us from doing the illegal no. curve post game show. No. We're going to need something more than that. Covid? Yeah. Nah, that's not going to prevent us from doing the post game show. We need something really bad, like salmonella or something like that.
0: I was going to say rickets. We have rickets. No, gonna I do would do still the do the show, the show with rickets. You'd still do the show with yeah, rickets. You
1: could you could sit while you right like you can still I sit no while idea. you have rickets. I don't know. People don't get rickets. It's twenty twenty four. If you have sure, rickets, let us know. You know, I'm pretty sure back in early two thousand nineteen. I remember this exactly because that's when I moved into this house where I'm yeah. broadcasting tonight. I had hand, foot and mouth disease. I think I still did the shows with hand, foot and mouth disease.
0: Well, that's you know that's a rite of passage for any parent is to get hand, foot, and <laughs> mouth mouth disease from your kids when they come home with it uh, from daycare. Then you know, crawling with disease all day long. Uh, but yes, with hand, foot, and mouth disease, we're thrilled that you were still able to battle through it uh, and join us here for the illegal curve post game show. We say good evening to everybody. It is now the bottom of the hour, ten thirty uh, Central Time. It is Drew Mandel... It is Ezra Ginsburg. This is the Illegal Curve postgame show talking about the Jets' 3-2 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, because 9 a.m. tomorrow, it's the Illegal Curve hockey show. And we're about to hit 6,000. That's right. We're about to let. Uh, we're about to get six thousand subscribers, and then Sunday evening, right about seven forty-five after the Jets and the Arizona Coyotes, we'll do another edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's a weekend chock full of Illegal Curve. Uh, Jets open the scoring at the. 1447 mark of the first period after what I thought was a bit of a slow start for the jets. I think at a point in time in that first period, they were being outshot seven to one, uh, to the, by the Blackhawks. But we talked about it in the preamble to this, this evening's post game show, Nikolai Ehlers, who the bad Shaw says is terrible, was not terrible on this shot. You know what? I don't even know which one we're going to call the shot of the game. We might as well do it for this one because you can pick or choose which of the two eaters goals you want to declare it. But this one is the Seagram shot of the game. The Seagram shot of the game. It's Ehlers, it's his 17th of the season, his first in 10 games, if I'm not mistaken, assist to Dylan DeMello and Josh Morrissey. And this is picking a corner and somehow, you know, hitting a paper airplane through a mail slot in a door from the sidewalk. That's the best analogy I can come up with with Nikolai Dealers. Like Thank you. Feel free to steal it. Uh Nikolai I Ehlers. would never steal that. Okay. Well you can steal it, but as long as you give me credit. You know, you can you can use Always. it and then just acknowledge that it came from me. But I'm just uh,
1: picturing an airplane, pardon me, p- a paper, paper airplane <laughs> <laughs> like an actual airplane. yeah, A 747 going through a mail slot.
0: Yeah, no, but uh, this is just a remarkable shot and a remarkable goal for Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, and you know he felt good about it. You saw the reaction he had after scoring this one because the uh, the goal-scoring drought had been weighing on him, Mr. Ginsburg.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, we talked about it, you know, during the first five minutes. Both of these goals are really, you know, the result of just Ehlers' speed and skill. And, you know, I'm not sure about you, Drew, or, you know, people watching or listening on the pod. But, I mean, I I thought that hit crossbar originally. Like, it happened so quickly. Um, But then, you know, almost half of a second or a second later, you see Ehlers celebrating. And then you obviously knew the referee signaled it was a goal, right? So, just incredible. Because where he shoots that, it was Seth Jones that was defending him. So, he's coming down, like, based on how we're watching it. He's coming down on the far side, the left side. And Seth Jones, it's not like the positioning of Jones is bad or anything like that. When nope. Ehlers releases the puck, it's at the bottom of the circle. And he manages to get it over Peter Mrazek's shoulder, like you said. I mean, there just isn't a lot of room. And the way Mrazek, like, it, it's not even that Mrazek didn't expect it. He just didn't think it was possible for Ehlers to put the puck where he put it over his shoulder and under the bar. So just an incredible shot. I don't think there has ever been, Drew, a more obvious Seagram shot of the game. Uh, just incredible. And and the thing, we've seen Ehlers do that. Also, you know, it's pretty phenomenal. They mentioned this on the broadcast. I forget if it was Dan Robertson or if it was Kevin Sawyer. They definitely had the graphic up. But the fact that all of Ehlers' 18 goals are at even strength is pretty ridiculous for a guy that obviously... Gets his power play time, whether it's on the first power play unit or no. or the second power play yeah, unit. But
0: minimal power play time when he's on the second power play right. unit. Yeah, but... we're not going
1: to get into that because we've talked right. about that ad nauseum. That he should be on the first power play unit basically indefinitely, right? Yeah. So, just an incredible, uh, just I mean, that's a shot that we're going to be talking about. It's just not a shot that a lot of players in the NHL can do. Like Connor Bedard, he could, you know, put that puck there. Austin Matthews, David Pasternak. Kyle Connor, maybe, but like, there's only a handful, maybe 10 guys in the league that can do that at top speed. Mm -hmm. So just incredible. I mean, you know, like like I said, I thought it was off the crossbar. I just didn't think there was any room there. I don't think Peter Morazic thought that there was any room there, but obviously that was a huge momentum boost because as you said, I mean, the Jets, it's not exactly like the Jets came out you know, lights on fire. They were actually getting outplayed by the Hawks a little bit in the first period in that goal. I mean, they obviously, you know, rode the wave after that because they were the better team through much of the rest of the first and the second.
0: Yeah, but the you're, for the first part of the that that first period to start the game, the Hawks were definitely the better of the two teams. Uh, they outchanced the Jets at five on five and high danger chances four one. Uh, you know they had the better expected goals numbers in that first period. So this goal by Nikolai Ehlers really turned the tide that had been in Chicago's favor for a whole lot of that. uh uh, for a whole lot of the of that first period Uh, i want to announce as he uh just been informed reliably informed we have reached the 6,000 subscriber mark on the YouTube channel. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you for your loyal support of Illegal Curve Hockey. It is uh, yet another milestone that we are happy to uh, accomplish and thank you for your contributions to it and thank you everyone. So now your job for everybody that's watching, all 350 plus of you that are with us here on this Friday night, is to Go tell somebody else who isn't currently a uh, a regular viewer that they need to become one and they need to subscribe so we can continue to grow the illegal curve family. I'll be uh, honest so- with you; I
1: thought you were going to play a six thousand subscribers bumper there. Like I yeah, wasn't I- sure what was. I thought there was going to be confetti, maybe some music. I wasn't sure there, but yeah, no, hitting six thousand is nice, and yes, we're well on our way to six thousand and one.
0: And our goal is to get to so many subscribers that we actually have more subscribers than the Jets do have season ticket holders. Yeah, yeah. it's drive to 13,500
1: subscribers. That's what we're at.
0: That's we want more subscribers to the illegal curve channel than the jets have uh season ticket holders we will talk about that don't worry we're not going to avoid that topic because the jets keep shooting themselves double barreled in the foot we'll, the organization we'll talk about that a lot probably on tomorrow's yeah. illegal curve hockey show at 9 a.m so we will certainly not be avoiding that topic don't worry folks uh, one nothing for the Jets after 20 minutes. Uh, slow start got better, and then one of the highlight reels goals of the season, as far as I'm concerned, is the Jets' two nothing goal. L very easily could have been the the Seagram shot of the game as well. Nikolai Ehlers, it's a delayed penalty uh, coming to uh, coming uh, on this play, and Ehlers goes end to end, including a pass to himself and com- comes down the right side, cuts into the middle, and then just unleashes a howitzer from the mid-slot and beats Morazic, Assist to Josh Morrissey on this one. But Ehlers gets both a clean zone exit and a clean zone entry and a goal on this play, a remarkable individual effort by the Jets' number 27 for his 18th five are his 18th even strength goal I guess it still counts as an even strength goal I guess it does six on five uh, with would out of the net but just a remarkable goal uh, for Nikolai Ehlers on this one as he
1: yeah and it's not only you know one of the nicest goals of the season for the Jets or one of Ehlers nicest goals like this to me is in the category of one of the nicest goals of the year period yeah. It really is, right? Like, you just mentioned it. Like, I know that you can't give a player a primary assist on their goal, but if there was ever a time to give a player a primary assist on their goal, like, you know, I remember thinking, like, as this was happening, I'm like, okay, Ehlers really wants to, you know, give himself an extra boost by going behind the net. Mm -hmm. And he goes end-to-end. And Mike Kelly, uh, who we've had on the show before, great uh, hockey analyst, he mentioned that, that was Ealer's third coast to coast goal of the year, which is the most in the NHL. Because, as you know, Drew, and yeah. as a lot of people who watch hockey know, that just doesn't happen a lot. It's just tough to go through three or four players. Yeah. And you know, it's Connor Bedard that he he blazes by first, and then Nick Felino, we talked about because Felino is on Bedard's line, and it was the second pair of Kevin Kurczynski and Jacob Magna. Like Ealer's goes through the entire team here. Like I I don't know if and if any words that I can put together. Can accurately describe how ridiculous this goal was. Like it's Ehlers going through the entire team uh, with speed, cutting to the middle, um, and obviously, you know, outdoing himself because he scored a beautiful first goal on Morazek. So yeah. this is just an incredible individual effort uh, on a delayed penalty. I, it was tripping, I remember. I f- forget who it was. Was it Morrissey who was tripped? I can't remember, but it was a delayed tripping penalty, I believe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, the penalty was coming, uh, yeah, it was a delayed tripping penalty, I agree, I, I believe you are correct about I just, that. I'm
1: blanking here, Drew, I don't remember, but yeah, just, again, incredible speed, goes by Bedard, Felino kind of just does a little bit of a, you know, drive-by, mm-hmm. fly-by, and, you know, just incredible for for Ehlers to, you know, find a spot uh, low on, on Peter Morazic. just just incredible, and again, I mean, if you take away Ehlers' performance... Yeah. Um, you know it it wasn't exactly a a performance by the Jets to write home about so I mean that's a huge goal right it happens very early what was it a minute and a half into the second period and you know the the way that Chicago I think only averages just over two goals a game right so you got the feeling at that point that the game could get a little out of hand and the Jets did keep the foot on the gas and they played well uh, in the second period but obviously you know Chicago ended up Making it a one-goal game and tying it up, but just just incredible. One of the nicest goals I would say of the year. Period.
0: It it was remarkable, and you know when you when you're watching the broadcast, like we were, you know, I watch, and you can hear his skates. You know, you know, clacking on the ice, for lack of better description. You know, when you can hear his blades, you know, ch- you know, chipping up the ice, you just know how fast he's going because you don't typically hear that. You know, in, in the course of the of the bro- of the regular broadcast, you don't you normally hear a player actually get up to full speed in flight, in control of the puck, and it was really a, a remarkable thing to watch and a thing of beauty. And I, I mean, I haven't seen it. Uh, obviously, a bit been busy right now but I, I think it's safe to say safe to assume that one of those bomber jackets that the Jets uh, give out uh, you know a post game that Nikolai Ehlers probably should get one of those and that was as we talked about the first 10 minutes the first 9-10 minutes of the, of the second period was the best stretch of hockey that the Winnipeg Jets played in this game Shortly after that beautiful goal by Ehlers, there's a extended line from an uh, extended shift in the Blackhawks zone by Nemesnikov, Baron, and Perfetti. I like that line together tonight as we talked about in the preamble. They were cycling the Blackhawks to death. And it's almost, you know, t- Taylor Radish at the ten fifteen mark of the period. This is where he hits... Um, <coughs> Pardon me with ten fifteen to go in the period, uh nine forty-five has el- has elapsed in the period. That's when he hits Connor Hellebuck and he takes that penalty. And Hellebuck, you know, was down on the ice and was shaken up and uh for the win I really don't just- think
1: that was that was intentional by Radish. If you look at the replay, he, he's not even he's not even looking at Hellebuck. He still has to be in control, so right. he deserved a penalty. And I'm not I'm not saying that a lot of people are saying that Radish should be just suspended. But I'm just saying the result was bad, but I really don't think the intent was there. And obviously Hellebuck was fine. But, you know, for a few moments there, you're thinking, you know, could there be a concussion or something?
0: That's the, well, that's certainly the thought pro- that, that came to my mind. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hellebuck doesn't play on Sunday regardless. It seems like that probably would have been a good chance to put Lauren Persuad, give him a game uh, Sunday against the Coyotes, but certainly it came to my mind when he's flat, when he's flat out on his, on on the ice, is this a concussion issue? You don't see a big guy like
1: Hellebuck. Like you just don't see him down like that. Right. And you could see that when the Jets trainer came out, you could see that he was shaken up, right? Like it was obvious to everybody. And that's why your mind goes to, you know, could there be a possible concussion, even if it's a mild concussion, just because it was a, it was a, you know, shoulder to the head.
0: Yeah, it, it was something that was definitely, uh, you know, had Jets uh, fans and their, their their hearts were in their throats, a lump in their throat. Um, and uh, I'm surprised, though. I must say, though, Ezzie, I'm surprised that Taylor Radish didn't have to fight anybody, uh, you know, after the penalty expired. I thought somebody would demand that he sort of has a little more accountability. Sure. So I was expecting either a Lowry or a Dylan would at the very least, you know, get in his face for a little bit and if not a full-on dropping of the gloves just a, certainly a a face wash-esque reminder that you know you, you don't patrol that close to our goalie and hit him without any uh ramifications as a result
1: yeah i would agree with that i think brendan Dillon was more concerned about his fight with Connor bedard obviously i'm joking <laughs> um but yeah uh, i'm not, I mean, I'm not something... sure but
0: i'm not sure bedard versus dylan would have been a really fair fight No, not at all.
1: Uh, Dylan was just kind of, you know, letting the kid know that he was in, you know, a man's league, right? But yeah, you're right. I I thought maybe there was some retribution, even if it wasn't a fight. Maybe, you know, just somebody goes up to him after the whistle or there was a little bit of pushing and shoving. I didn't see anything. It's possible that, you know, he got bumped or something like that at some point, um, you know, in the second or third period. But again, I mean, Hellebuck turns out he was okay. Um, And, you know, Radish served his penalty but I really don't think there was any intent there. And we talked about it. Radish was he was a factor tonight. He was good. He's a he's yeah. a, he's a decent player. He was in the Brandon Hagel trade, I believe, right? Yeah. I think they mentioned that on the broadcast. So he's he's a good player. I don't I mean again, I don't think, you know, he's a, you know, top 6 forward on a lot of teams, but you know, on a team like Chicago it's good. He gets to play in a bunch of different situations and a lot know, he's sp- a good
0: young player. Yeah. A lot of speed. You know, he can certainly he certainly got a bright future. No question about that. Uh so he's in the box, and the Jets power play really doesn't do a lot on this one. In fact, Neil Pionk has to take a uh has to take a slashing penalty on a Jason Dickinson short-handed breakaway. Um, and that's what so that ends the Jets penalty and it's some some four on four hockey. And I thought really after this happened, after the 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 Pionk penalty, that's sort of when the, the Jets lost a little bit of their momentum in the second period. Uh, and they weren't as good in the latter half of the second as they were in the in the first, you know, nine, ten minutes. And then Jason and Colin Blackwell gets the Blackhawks on the board at the 1558 mark so with 402 to go in the second period it's blackwell his fifth of the year it's a breakaway assist to seth jones this is not a smart play by logan stanley he needs to be he just needs to be better than this play at this stage of his career yes you're in the offensive zone yes you are Trying to do something, but anytime you blindly put the puck into the middle of the ice, even if you're a hundred and you know eighty feet away from your goaltender, it can quickly be turned back up the ice and result in a in a opportunity for the opponent and that's exactly what happened here Stanley. A blind pass at the offensive blue line into the middle of the ice. Seth Jones says thank you very much. Blackwell is behind the defense. Jones to Blackwell to the back of the net. Two one at this point in time.
1: Yeah, I mean the the word that you use that that stands out to anybody that was what it, it's a nice pass by Seth Jones up to Colin Blackwell no and question. good on him. He puts a nice move. Does does a little shimmy yeah. and and then puts a nice little deke on a Hellebuck. But I mean it's 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 a blind pass and and also too like you know what was the intent here even if you right. did get it to I think it was Villardi who, who was who's the intended target here yeah. I just don't like I don't I don't think you know this would have really resulted in much more than you know maybe just getting the puck into the corner or something and again mm-hmm. for a guy who's now in the lineup for a, a player who is now a healthy scratch, Nate Schmidt is not injured. Nope. Healthy. Be clear scrunch. here, he's, he's being healthy scratched, yeah. and we've been talking about this all year. For all the criticism that Schmidt has got early in the season, Sandberg and Schmidt have been one of the best third pairs in the league. Yeah. Right? So, I, I would be shocked, to be honest with you, if Stanley remains in the lineup. I don't think it's just going to be that one turnover. I just don't think he played well enough to remain in the lineup for Nate Schmidt. We'll see what happens, and we can talk about it on tomorrow morning's show, yeah. but you're absolutely right. I mean, again, if you if you don't have a play there, and it's easy for us to you know, you know, single Stanley out here because it results in a goal, um, but it's an egregious turnover. Yeah. And again, Seth Jones makes a nice pass, and Colin Blackwell identifies that you know he has the opportunity to be strung on a power play, uh, pardon me, a, a penalty shot here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you know, it's all because of a, a Stanley turnover. I mean, that's this just goal it. is a direct result of of Stanley turning over the puck right in the middle of the ice. He put this right in the middle of the ice, yeah. and there was nobody really there. Seth Jones just took it and sprung Blackwell on a breakaway, and now all of a sudden it's a
0: one goal game. That's just it. And if you put that puck down low in the corner, or you just almost rag the puck a little bit, just you know you know press it against the boards.
1: That's what nothing. I was going to say, Drew. You just yeah. even if you're not going to fire it, because that's what he did. He just t- yeah. blindly he turned turns around and, fires. and fired it and hoped that maybe the Jets player would get a stick on it. I thought it was Velarde. It was the Jets top line that was out there. I know that because Shifley was the one who got the puck back to Stanley uh, at the point. If anything, just hold on to it. Take it back out of the zone or, you know, move it, kind of freeze it on the boards. Just hold on to it and just don't, you don't. And again, it's one thing if, you know, a rookie defenseman like Kevin Korchinski is making that play. Logan Stanley's 25 years old. He has a lot of pro experience at this point. And again, I hate to pick on him. I know there's a lot of people, you know, that would like to see him out of the lineup. And I think you're going to get your wish by the way, because I think Nate Schmidt is going to come back into the lineup based on Stanley's performance tonight.
0: Yeah. And just, you need to have better awareness, better situational awareness at this point of your career than what he demonstrated on, on this goal Uh Two one at that point in time, uh, uh, Ealers was set up. Sean Monahan late in the second period for a good opportunity. Uh, this is the one where sort of uh, Monahan uh, hit the outside of the post because Mrazek really cut off the low the low part of the post with a good net uh, with a good push right against the post. Two uh, one after forty minutes at this point. Third period starts. Sean Monahan another opportunity in tight. Uh, But he slides this one sort of past the just past the post. And you're wondering, are the Jets going to rue all of these missed opportunities? Well, are the Blackhawks going to rue their missed opportunity? Because we really can't. I still don't know how Jason Dickinson missed that wide open net. And Jason Dickinson must have got a piece of it, No it's unclear to me. I watched how many times did you watch the replay to try and figure it out?
1: They showed the replay at least three or four times. Yeah. And it was, it was tough to see. It was funny. Dan Robertson and Kevin Sawyer were joking that neither of them could see it go off the iron. So I I don't know. I I, like based on what I saw, I mean, either Dickinson missed the net completely or Hellbock got a piece of it.
0: it. It seemed to be one or the other. And it was really, it was hard to, it was hard to sort of identify exactly how it stayed out. But it did stay out. Then that's very important for the Winnipeg Jets because Chicago very easily could have tied this game within the first four or five minutes of the third period. And then who knows what happens at that point in time? There, were Nick Felino also had a good uh, couple of opportunities, uh, you know, early in that third period, uh, chances at both ends of the ice during that four on four situation when Connor Bedard and Brendan Dillon were in the penalty box. Uh, you know, I, I thought Bedard was his best period was the third period because I thought he was pretty invisible for the first 40 minutes of the game. I did not think he was uh, at his best, uh, you know, early in this game, but I thought he got better as the game went on as he.
1: I would agree with that. And I think he's been back. Is this his fifth game since he's been back from the injury? I think he had something like six points in his first four games. So, I mean, he has been producing, but I would agree with that. I don't th- look. I mean, the game. I was in Mexico, but I know you guys did the post game show. That yeah. was the Connor Bedard show when he scored the overtime winner and everything like that. He was definitely not—I don't, I can't remember a good scoring chance that he had uh, in the first couple periods. Um, Me neither, and he certainly wasn't—you know—dominant or anything like that. But you could just see the skill, even kind of simple things that he does, like little stick handling plays in tight, uh, and and just the way he kind of just is able to enter the zone with ease, really. But you're right. I mean, this was not the most dominant performance, but it also was, I mean, we had the comment up earlier. I mean, this was a grinder game, right? Like this was, you know, fairly tight checking back and forth. He didn't have a lot of speed, uh, a lot of opportunities to use his speed and skill. Right. But I would agree with that. And then obviously, you know, in, in the third period when they were pressing, uh, Bedard was out there and, you know, he was, uh, he was at the point and, I think he was out there for the last two minutes, if I'm not mistaken. It's also, certainly. Ehlers was out there for the last two minutes, which I didn't love.
0: Well, so that's you I realize about he's Nikol- going
1: for the hat trick, but I mean, come on. Well,
0: I don't think that's why. I think they were rewarding him because he was Jets' best player. And so you talk about Nikolai Ehlers, and you know the the Blackhawks have pulled the goalie, uh, and we're into the final seconds. Uh, you know, we're less than a minute to go, and that's when they tie the game. Ehlers dives to try and get the puck. Uh, out of the uh of the zone he's unable to do so and the puck goes down low uh to Jason Dickinson and then Dickinson uh to Nick Felino Felino with a great uh backdoor pass to Tyler Johnson and Tyler Johnson with 43 seconds to go in the game uh ties it up he's able to get the puck past uh, Connor Hellebuck. I think Alex follow was you know maybe a quarter of a step behind in trying to get back into the play in this situation, uh, and the Blackhawks, you know, full marks to them. They played hard the entire game. They didn't give up that all-important third goal in regulation, and the Blackhawks tie it up with 43 seconds to go, and we're off to overtime, as a
1: Yeah, you made the, the comment, the, the drive from Jason Dickinson and the spin pass, mm-hmm. uh, Connor Hellbuck had absolutely no chance, no chance. And, and they did a good job. Like, look, look, give the Hawks credit. Like, they're not playing for anything, Aside from being a spoiler, let's get that clear here. Like they are going to be in the Macklin Celebrini sweepstakes here, whether they finish 30th, 31st or, or 32nd. Right. So right. give the Hawks credit here for fighting to the the, the the very end and tying the game up with 40 seconds or 42 seconds, whatever it was. Um, I thought Seth Jones had a really strong game. Like I realize, you know, his contract is considered one of the worst. Yeah. But again, you know, what's he going to do? I mean, he's going to cash his paychecks. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, there's nothing he can do about that contract. He's still playing well. I mean, he's obviously not maybe the top 10 defenseman that he was projected to be when he was drafted, uh, you know, top five back in the day. I think that was 2013, 2014, if I'm not mistaken. So I thought he was good. Uh We, you know, we talked about Nick Foligno. He was out there, Connor Bedard, like, you know, they have found a little bit of an identity here. And obviously, you know, nice. they have other players like Frank Nazar coming in and stuff like that, Um, you know, and they're not going to be a very good team, I would imagine, for at least two or three years. Um, but, you know, they put up a good fight, and y- you got the feeling that, you know, they were going to tie it up. Obviously, we didn't know they were going to tie it up, um, but, you know, they were playing hard. I sort and of felt they were that same connected. way as well. Yeah, like they were—they had all of the momentum, they had all of the chances, all of the zone time. The once Jets the were Jets on their heels. So
0: once the, Je- once the Jets weren't able to clear at the blue line, there you saw that's kind sure. of you—you you, you watch enough hockey, you're just you know so close to clearing the puck and well, likely the winning the gassed, game,
1: right? Like they were all—they were all out there for a while there. Ealers, like we mentioned, he was on there, out there for at l- a good minute and a half, and I realized he was the best Jets forward or one of the Jets' best forwards, and he's going for the hat trick. But at the end of the day, you're you're trying to protect the lead. and you know again, we might be nitpicking here and I realize we'll get it in the chat here that people are gonna say, you know, this is Chicago and blah 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 blah, but like, you know, I, I think you know who you put out there does matter in that type of situation. So I don't yeah, mind, I mean, re-
0: but I don't mind rewarding guys who've played well and who are the Jets best players during this game. You know, in that situation, because the best players tonight, there's no question, were Monaghan and Ehlers and Ayafalo. That was the Jets best line. Yep. So I don't mind having them out on the ice and, and rewarding them for for successful play. It, it didn't work out. But, you know, we're talking, I mean, you know, it's a, you know, I know it's a cliche, but it truly is a game of inches, maybe even less than inches. Maybe it's a game of centimeters or something uh, along those lines. And the Jets were that close to probably winning it in regulation as opposed to overtime. But the Blackhawks tie it up. Ty- Tyler Johnson, as we mentioned, ties it up, goes into overtime. Blackhawks win the faceoff in overtime. And, you know, they get gain the zone as you often do when you win possession. And Josh Morrissey makes a nice play to strip the puck away from Nick Felino and he headmans it to Kyle Connor. And it didn't strike me as a particularly dangerous uh, overtime rush, but the Jets get a fortuitous bounce. And it's sort of been a while since the Jets have really gotten a bounce so evident that is so beneficial. Uh, and they get this one it's Kyle Connor's shot. And it deflects right off of Nick Felino, who's coming back in the play after getting stripped of, of the puck in the offensive zone. And it goes right through Peter Morazic No chance. You can see the redirection. It took a couple of replays to see exactly how it went in, but goes right off of Felino p- through Morazic And the Jets will escape chicago escape from chicago with that 3-2 victory not quite escape from la the classic i think it was that 70s or 80s uh movie but it was a a 3-2 uh jets victory over chicago in the windy city as he
1: who was in that movie i'm trying to picture the guy he had long hair was
0: it it golf lundgren was it
1: golf lundgren maybe on, oh, no, now now of, we're down the me. now we're down the rabbit hole. We're definitely down the rabbit hole. That threw me off, Drew. But yeah, l- let's let's talk about the Kyle Connor call.
0: <laughs> Kurt Russell, Steve B- and Steve Buscemi.
1: Kurt Russell, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, I don't didn't even think I've seen that I think about it. I think I've only seen like parts of that movie.
0: Okay, well, you know, when we're done the post game show, you, know, you can feel free to go watch it.
1: Yeah, I think I might. Um, we talked about Connor Bedard early, earlier, and you know he's out there for the overtime and it's Nick Felino, and Nick Felino looks a little bit dangerous. Josh Morrissey makes a nice play, and he gets it to yeah. Kyle Connor, and like you said, I mean, it doesn't look that dangerous because Kyle Connor's not at top speed, but he kind of hangs back, yeah. um, and then he drives to the net a little bit, and then, you know, we talked about it. It's 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 a soft shot, but he was clearly, you know, he found a spot, but yeah. I think, I don't know if it was confirmed. I haven't you know, looked close enough, but I, I'm pretty sure it did go off of Felino Skate. Right? It did, there's no question. Yeah. We saw you yeah. saw so, it I mean, the final again, replay
0: before they cut the sports center, yeah. So that's uh, you that's a lucky bounce, right like them. you
1: said. So sometimes those bounces go your way, yeah. and sometimes they don't go your way. We talked about it with the Nemestikov off the, the iron in the first period, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it happens to all teams, and yeah, a little bit of an anticlimactic end because you thought maybe this was going to be one of those epic, you know, overtimes, and maybe Chicago was going to play the role of. Real spoiler as opposed to just stealing one point. Yeah, well a um, meaningless point in this case, of course. Yeah, exactly. Meaningless for them. But yeah, I, I think you know Josh Morrissey deserves credit for breaking up, you know, Felino's rush in his own end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as as Connor obviously getting the winning goal.
0: And with the victory, the three-two victory, you know, the Jets actually move atop the Western Conference, yet again in points percentage. So they're not there in points. But when you compare that the Jets have played four less games than the Vancouver Canucks and three less games than both the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche, with 75 points in 55 games, the Jets have a points percentage of 682, which puts them atop the Western Conference uh, and uh, fourth overall in the NHL, the top three teams, of course, in the Eastern Conference. So the Winnipeg Jets will take the 3-2 victory. They will head home. To face the Arizona Coyotes on a Sunday, depending on your opinion. Late afternoon, early evening, five o'clock central time is puck drop on afternoon. Sunday. Late afternoon? Five o'clock is afternoon. Really? Not early evening? No. Okay. We've had this we've had this debate many times before. We probably won't need to have it again. Uh that is your Betway game recap for this. Th- Uh, Friday night Jets victory over the Chicago Blackhawks before we go to break we want to remind you of this event coming right up this is this coming Thursday a leap day party so big it only happens every four years We're live, Boston Pizza, Taylor Avenue, 7 p.m. Thursday night. Come watch the Jets and the Dallas Stars. It's a Central Division matchup between these two top teams. The Stars have had the Jets number so far this year. Can the Jets bounce back? Come join us Thursday night at Boston Pizza for the Winnipeg Jets. Dallas stars game followed by a live on location edition of the illegal curve post game show. February 29th happens only every four years. I know you don't have anything on your calendars because how would you know? It only happens once every four years. Be sure to join us Thursday night, 7 p.m., Boston Pizza, Taylor Avenue for the Jets and the Dallas Stars. We look forward to seeing everybody there on Thursday night. going to be a great one. And then, of course, the live edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. This has been the Betway Game Recap. Big thanks to our friends at Betway for their continued support of the Illegal Curve post-game show with a large selection of betting options and sports as well as strong promotions and fair odds. What are you waiting for? Head on over to Betway and bet your way. Must be 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. When we come back, much more on the jets and the chicago blackhawks the victory and we will have the tough duck hardest hitting comment and whatever other nonsense ezzy and i decide to come up with don't go anywhere it's a friday night it is the illegal curve post game show we're live on youtube and all of our social media platforms
1: boston pizza harnessed analytics to test if the game is better at home or at boston pizza the results
0: are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza. Powered by Fatalytics. You guys ever wish for a game changer in life? Like finding out your favorite snack has zero calories? Or discovering the mute button on Ezzy? Picture this, a secret weapon for parking where you can book a spot a whole month in advance. Tell me more, Drew. Pre book your parking at really low rates, or maybe even for free if you use the code Illegal Curve. Free? What is this? Sorcery? The Grid Park app. It's a real secret weapon that has affordable game day parking, and to sweeten the deal even more. I love sweets. Our listeners can use the code Illegal Curve to park for free. Holy Zamboni! tell me about it just download grid park g-r-y-d park and use the code illegal curve all one word to park for free the game can change Ah! just like that accidents
1: happen when you aren't protected so now what getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference help prevent them from being game changers with Linden market dental center bonding crowns bridges and dental implants state-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game to learn more visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. creating smiles for life
0: your co-workers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to rumorscomedyclub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed.
1: Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos.
0: Chaos. Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, One call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there.
1: Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage,
0: online at Rollies.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the illegal curve hockey show work to live live to play visit toughduck.com we are back on the illegal curve post game show drew Dell, ezra ginsburg with you reminder coming up 9 a.m which is about 10 hours from now the illegal curve hockey show right back at it on this on the saturday morning we look forward to joining everybody at uh, 9 a.m tomorrow to talk much about the Winnipeg Jets the new forward lines Chipman's interview with the Athletic will be dealt with Kenny Weeb is going to stop by so you know we're taking a trip to the buffet and then we're going back for seconds and thirds with our good buddy Kenny Weeb. and then of course Marty Biron is also going to join us and anytime we can get together with Marty is certainly a good time Uh, for us to do so. So we are looking forward to that tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, back here on our YouTube channel. Wanted to make mention that Illegal Curve is proud to be, again, a media sponsor for the 50th annual Ken Cronson Rady JCC Sports Dinner coming up May 28th, 2024. That's in about, uh, what's this, February? So February to March, March to April, April to May. That's three months and five days from now. Simple math is my strong suit. So this is one of the preeminent dinners on the calendar. If you are a sports fan, this is the dinner you need to be at. Grant Fuhr, Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark are going to be regaling the audience with uh, anecdotes and stories from their days in the NHL. And if memorabilia is your thing, they have the best selection of memorabilia, NHL, NFL nba major league baseball whatever you desire it's going to be on sale it's going to be up for auction so join the legal curve may 28 2024 at the rady jcc sports dinner what jersey did you buy last year again as i forget what jersey was it
1: well it's apropos because the jets are playing the coyotes on sunday it was a nick schmaltz jersey signed nick schmaltz jersey uh-huh. let's make that clear yes um yeah so i've still got it it's still got the tag it's just hanging up uh upstairs but yes that was my my big purchase i think i got it for 200 bucks 250 bucks something like that but you're absolutely right i mean i've been lucky enough you've taken me a couple times as a guest of, of rumors sheldon put an end to that but you remember we saw you remember who we saw we saw mark messier one year yeah. he was fantastic and magic uh one year i mean if you magic think Johnson. about if yeah. you think about the you know who they've got over the years right like it's, it's the best it, dinner it's the who's who right like peyton manning eli manning dan marino the first one i went to was when i was 17 and it was the hurricane reuben, Ruben the hurricane, hurricane carter. carter and i did not name my son after Ruben the hurricane <laughs> carter we just like the name uh reuben it's a solid name um but you know if, if you're you know our age or even you know 10 years younger When you think of that era of the Leafs, that's who you think of, right? You think of Wendell Clark, you think of Doug Gilmore, and obviously Grant Fewer, uh, I mean, is better known for being a member of the Edmonton Oilers, but he also played for the Leafs.
0: He did? That's exactly right. So it's going to be a great night, May 28th. We will be there, of course. So if you're looking to get tickets, radyjcc.com, or you can slide into uh, my DMs or Ezzy's DMs, and we'll get get you all the information about how to get tickets for the 50th annual Rady JCC Ken Cronson Sports Dinner. Great night on the sporting calendar in this fair province of ours. Uh, let's do this. Even though Manouk's not here, we can still do this. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manook Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The Moose lost 5-2 to, Cal- to the Calgary Wranglers. This has been your Manuk Moose Minute. <laughs> I know I didn't see anything of the Not Moose cool. game, folks.
1: There's only uh, one rule for the Manuk Moose Minute. Dave M. Wait. has to be here for the Manuk Moose Minute. Unless you make a Mendel Moose Minute bumper... and you get Moose play-by-play broadcaster Dan Fink to make a little separate intro for you. But yes, unfortunately, the Moose lost 5-2 to the Wranglers. That's, I believe, their third loss in a row. But they're going to get another crack at the Wranglers tomorrow. So hopefully they'll be able to get back in the win column.
0: I think tomorrow afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, their Moose are going to look to get off the schneid uh, against the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, The Wranglers jerseys, by the way, were just... Some of the ugliest jerseys I've seen in in a long, long time. It's a, it's a, totally an aside, but they just look very almost slapped together half haphazardly. It's just like, you know, it's got the flames colors and then it's just got a big W in front. It's just nothing. Nothing about it was aesthetically pleasing. And as everybody knows, I am a fashion maven.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't really like the Wrangler jerseys, but I do like Wrangler jeans, especially acid wash.
0: <laughs> Good to know. You got a tough duck, hardest in comment? For sure. Okay, let's do it. The Tuck duck, duck artisan comment.
1: All right, everybody! Great comments tonight. We always appreciate you joining us in the chat. Ran into a few people actually recently that tell me they watch the post game show, but they don't participate in the chat. Or sometimes they participate in a sh- mm-hmm. in a chat. Shout out to Derek, who I ran into. Last weekend and he mentioned, you know, sometimes I show up, you might see Derek there. Um, but sometimes I don't. And you know what I said? That's fine as long as yeah. you watch, you don't have to participate in the chat. And also, if you're thinking about participating in the chat and you haven't before, don't be intimidated. There's no. lots of good people. Every once in a while we get a bad egg, and Drew has to put them in timeout. But I would say 99.9% of the people yeah. in the chat are are good people. So we're gonna give it tonight to Palmer Lane 89. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Palmer Lane or Palmer Lane 89, but we're going to give it to them. Once again, reading the comment here, the Jets get caught in a trap game against the Hawks, and we're lucky to get out of it with a win. Ehlers look good, but Monaghan had several chances to bury his chances in close. Palmer Lane 89 is right about that. Yeah. Sean uh, Monahan I, I had plenty Monahan of was chances was today. <laughs> You know, he was good, good on the penalty kill. Um, you know, the power play didn't score a goal, but I thought you know, the first power play opportunity for the Jets was pretty solid, dangerous. Not so much the second power play opportunity, uh, but I like Monaghan's game. And clearly, you know, he has fit in nicely on that Jets' second line. You know, mm-hmm. we expect Cole Perfetti to be back on that second line at some point. Maybe well, it's we'll Sunday about... versus the Coyotes. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't expect it on Sunday, but we'll talk about it tomorrow morning. That's for sure. 9 I think you,
1: you expect Nate Schmidt to be back in, though.
0: Uh, based on that free pizza, again, if there's accountability for your for the way you play, that was just a blatant giveaway, and
1: right. you know, so yes,
0: and I, and I, also I, just, so.
1: I think the way he played in general. I mean, I, I, some people liked his game more. Palmer Lane '89. Before I, I forget uh, to tell Palmer Lane '89, send me an email Ezra at illegalcurve with your mailing info, or you can slide into my DMs on X slash Twitter at ICSEG. And Tough Duck will ship out a tuke to you directly. We sent out some more tukes this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to keep sending uh, Tough Duck tukes out to the playoffs. Then we switch it up. Last year we did Trucker Hats, wow. but we're going to keep sending the tukes out until the playoffs. And then we're going to either switch to the Trucker Hats or, or something else. But you can never go wrong with Trucker Hats, right? You and Ashton Kutcher, Drew, you still rock them.
0: Oh, I, I, I still think that. What was that? What was this show called? Uh, it wasn't called Prank. It was called. Pranked. Punked, yes, oh, yeah. I, you know, exactly. I'm still, I'm still filming episodes of Punked all by myself here. Did you know home.
1: that he's actually married to Mila Kunis? Like, I just I found that out that. like a year ago. Well, I did know that. Like, I, I knew they it. were like a TV couple, but I had no idea. I thought Ashton Kutcher was still with uh, Demi Demi
0: Moore. Was he? Oh, that's right. He was with Demi Moore. That was that was all. That was a weird couple. That, Very that weird. They like, yeah. like, like got huge Cougar age gap there. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that was. Ooh, I forgot about. I'm not going to say it, Drew. But yeah, I think you know what she is. <laughs> Already on that a note, great actress, I'm gonna... a great actress. A great she actress. She was phenomenal in Ghost.
0: <laughs> on that note, I'm going to go back to drinking my absinthe here as I try and uh, stay healthy enough for <laughs> tomorrow morning. What is that morning?
1: swamp water you're drinking?
0: It's a, I found a Gatorade or a Powerade, a melon pineapple Powerade in the back of the second fridge, and I don't know how long it's been there, but uh, I figured, well, you know, it, whatever's, whatever's not going to kill me is only going to make me stronger at this point in time. Uh, so we'll uh, keep drinking that, and we will see everybody tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Again, Kenny Weeb's going to join us, Marty Biron's going to join us, Want to say a big thank you to first of all, all of you for joining us, and a big thank you to all of our sponsors who make the Saturday show, the post game show, the website a possibility. That's our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, they're all sold out, they've been all sold out all week long. Make sure you get your tickets for Kelly Taylor coming up next week and good Ryan Settler concert series event. Yeah, good Saskatchewan boy, Kelly Taylor. Is you're right about that. Uh, our friends at Grid Park use code illegal curve to park for free linden market dental center zapia group realty betway tough duck boston pizza seagram's rollies transfer and farmery beer support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey jets win 3-2 in overtime in chicago we say hi to Stacy S's dog, Abby, out there in Erie, Pennsylvania. That's where Stacy joins us from each and every post-game show and again on Saturday morning. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you've missed any of the show, the podcast will be up uh, at some point in time. Dave M will get on that. Dave M away, but we'll, I'm sure he'll do the podcast for us. Nonetheless, And the, the instant replay is on the YouTube channel. We will be back 9 a.m. tomorrow. That is in, let me see, that is in 9 hours and 42 minutes. So I'm going to go to bed. Ezzie's going to go to bed. Y'all can go to bed as well, but we'll see you back here bright and early, 9 a.m. Until then, we say good night and good luck, and thanks for joining us. This has been the Illegal Curve post-game show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, illegalcurve.com.